This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of High Impact, the podcast for leaders. Today, my guest is Bill Napolitano. Bill and I have a long shared history. Uh, Almost 20 years ago, he was my coach. Uh, and is responsible for helping me uh, to for much of my success. Uh, Bill has been a coach for over two decades. Uh, he works for the Proactive Leadership Group, as you can see up, up above his head. Uh, and Bill really specializes uh, in retail. And that's why I asked him um, particularly to help us think about some issues surrounding the workforce, because that's a, an area where people have been um, really challenged with trying to figure out in a post-COVID environment how to properly staff and whatnot. So, Bill, uh, pleasure to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Well, Josh, thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to be part of this. This is, uh, uh, this is very near and dear to uh, my heart. And, uh, of course, you and I go back uh, probably more years that I want to consider, not because of you, but because of the fact that we've, you know, we've been doing this for 25 years. Yeah. So it's really cool, really cool, and and uh, kudos to you for uh, for joining this side of the uh, this side of the workforce. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Um, well, a lot of your encouragement and inspiration along the way there. So, Bill, jumping right in, uh, one of the biggest challenges, as I mentioned, I think facing. Uh, companies and organizations today, from what I'm hearing and talking to leaders about is the workforce. And mm-hmm. that casts, I think, a really, really wide net. But <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack. But let's talk first about hiring. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see organizations making during their hiring process? Uh, great, great question. And um, I'll, I'll tell you that the foundation of where I think the problems exist is the fact that a lot of organizations don't really have a written hiring process. And that is evidenced by, and as you know, I for my contract uh, clients, I do recruiting and hiring and I'm part of the, their teams. And the only reason we brought that on was because I, I watched managers for clients uh, recruit and doing the interviewing and then hiring people and just kind of letting them alone. And the turnover was horrific uh, or the retention was low. You, you know, you say it however you want. And I started to uh, ask around, I asked if, you know, would, if you have a process and they said they did, if I asked five people what their process was, I got five different answers. It's almost like the sales process, Josh, right? Like write your sales process process down, ask five salespeople, and you get 10 responses, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but that's part and parcel of pretty much uh, almost in any uh, any organization, whether retail or uh, or service. But seriously, the, the I would say the most significant mistake is not having a very specific and proven hiring process that they teach 
people that should be part of the process, if you would. That's the number one problem that I see. Um, and I would say if you if you asked uh, a group of uh, whether you're talking about entrepreneurs or you're talking uh, with larger organizations uh, to share what their hiring process actually is, and you if you don't get a copy of it, then they don't have it. I'm just a firm believer if it's not in writing, you don't have it. You don't. So consequently, and you know what happens when when a uh, an organization, whether it's a small business or a larger business, they add somebody in to the mix. And and everybody comes with their own top spin. And it's not a bad thing, but if you you know you bring in more people, everybody wants to put their idea in place, which is great, except it's like working with a, a you know the years ago they had this game dominoes okay and you had these tiles and and sometimes you know the dominoes needed to fit together well what happens is everybody brings their own idea and consequently everything becomes fragmented for sure so i would say the biggest mistake number one is not having a written high earned process so then the remedy is to sit down and figure out you know what is it that you want to do and I, I think the most integral part of the hiring process uh, really starts with uh, answering what I would say one of the most provocative, and it is a provocative question, you know, why would somebody want to come work for you? Mm -hmm. And I've asked that question many times. And, and, and again, you, we, we know each other for a long time. Uh, sometimes the response you get is uh, perplexing. Right. You know, and because uh, that's where it starts. Why would a high performer want to come work for a low performing organization or a non values based organization or an organization that says they're values based, but you know that the behaviors are incongruent to that? So that's the other part. It's like, okay, so no hiring process. The second thing is, why would, why would a, a, um, a high achiever want to come work for you? And, uh, that that usually breaks this uh when i say this conversation it usually breaks this subject wide open and i believe it helps organization realize that oh my gosh you know nobody's even asked us that question before we've never even asked ourselves that question before we being the management team or the owner of the company or something like that like you know i'm a good guy well that doesn't cut it anymore and you mentioned pre-COVID and post-COVID. I mean, you, you've seen how volatile it is. That, that everything is volatile, and there's nothing that's off the table anymore. Nothing, right? right? Um, I've seen organizations hire people, and you, you know, tell them what the hours are, and they they convert the hours from if we suggest it's nine to five, it winds up being nine-ish to five-ish, and you can't say anything about people coming in late or leaving early, but. Uh, there are ways to navigate around that for sure. Absolutely. And so, you know, my history and how you and I met was in the car business and, you know, the onboarding in the car business. And, and I'm, I know I'm generalizing, so not all, mm -hmm. um, not everybody in this, in the business is doing that, but it, it's commonplace enough for us to talk about it is, Hey, okay. The person has some experience. Terrific. Um, where'd you sell cars? Great. All right. Well, this person will be an easy hire. Let's get them through the HR paperwork. Sometimes the HR paperwork's not even done. They come in on the first day. Hey, congratulations. Great to see you. There's your desk over there. Uh, here are your logins. And go ahead and do all the factory certifications. And then when you're done, come back to me. And we'll um, we'll do next steps. Meanwhile, 
They have no idea what the organization stands for. They have no idea where even the bathroom is. Mm -hmm. So they can use it. They're coming up to the, you know, their manager or somebody else and say, Hey, um, where's the restroom? And, you know, this is a, this is an area where I grew up in. And I looked at that and just said, this isn't, this is like, this is incredibly flawed. And I think employees decide if they actually join the team and they start on that first day, I think they're deciding in the first day or two, whether or not they're going to stay. No question. No question at all. And I'll, uh, I'll back that up just a bit. Uh, and you you probably re recall this, but the um, I believe that the the way we met was you were a leader in an organization, okay, local organization, and uh, you had an ad out looking for salespeople. And I answered the ad. I answered the ad. I called you you agreed to meet with me and then i came clean and said i was really just kind of curious as to what's going on and you graciously let me sit in your desk office and allowed me to uh see you perform magic and i knew from that point that uh you know who knew 20 some odd years later we'd still be talking so it's actually pretty cool so i don't know if you remember that but that's exactly what happened it is <clears throat> it, it is how we met and i think the the what we what we did at the end of my my career working in that industry was, you know, we came up with something. So when somebody started on their first day, like we put something in front of them in the interview process and said, Hey, this was the the organization. We called it the name of the company's way. Yeah. And we'd say, you know, we want you to take this home. This is how we operate and think about it. And we'll talk to you in a couple of days. And if this is the type of place you think that you might like to work, then terrific. We'll mm -hmm. talk some more. And then they'd come in and we would, we had a full onboarding process. Um, and so what we found was people kind of were bought in to our organization almost off the rip because of what you're saying. Like we did the hard work of figuring out who did we want to be and what did we want our employees saying about us? Because we believed kind of like the South, you know, what was the Southwest mentality originally that if you have happy employees, you're going to have happy customers. Sure. Sure. No, no question. Uh, you know, you, uh, you set an example before, and I know it was a generalized example of, okay, so we have a retail salesperson starting and they, uh, they'd be lucky if in fact they had somebody who, who met them and put them in front of a desk with a, a working computer and logins, you know, a lot of times that is, doesn't even happen. Right. And you get this whole bit of, no, it's not my fault. It's the other guy's fault, et cetera. So, um, uh, it, it, I have a couple of, of references, you know, maybe your listeners may want to want to uh, jot them down. Uh, and it's all because of things that we have seen in the marketplace. And if, if, if we can't be agile in a market that is constantly changing, and, and I will use the term volatile because, it's, again, constantly changing, then we never teach you, 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 we're never caught up to what should be happening. But I think it's even better to be the leader, all right, out there, be the disruptor in the market, not in a bad way, but but in a good way. So, uh, you know, we've probably all heard uh, a statement like, you know, customers first, customers first, customers first. Well, yeah, uh, to a certain degree. And we've also heard about customers always right, customers always right. Well, we'll take a step back. And in, in the, the proactive world, and no disrespect to anybody who thinks differently, well, 
we believe that first of all, the, the, the employee is a customer, number one. Right. Um, and if the employee is a customer, then the employee is part of that customer first. Uh, and matter of fact, I think there are manufacturers that actually have programs that are identified as customer first, so to speak. Um, but um, recently, uh, because of the volatility of, uh, gosh, you'd hire somebody and they work there for 90 days and they quit and you come to find out, well, they went someplace else for a, a BBD, you know, bigger, better deal, or what was perceived as something like that. And it's, it's adjusted itself a bit. We're, we're coming back more to um, pre-COVID, but I'm not sure we're ever going to get there. And that's probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing that we don't go all the way back. Um, but because of what we were seeing, and this is just not uh, with our clients, but uh, uh, and not only nationally, you know that I'm associated with an international group of, of uh, professionals. And uh, I said, there's got to be a, a better way to bring people on so that they really want to engage. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I happen to pick up the book. Uh, it's, the name of the book is Power of Moments. And the author, the, the authors are Chip Heath and Dan Heath. It's a really good read. And uh, it's uh, what was brought out in the book. And just I'll just kind of give you the, the overarching perspective that I got. Uh, let's assume that the recruiting and hiring process went okay. Let's just put that aside just for a moment. So somebody is now designated as a new hire and they show up. And if they're lucky, they may find somebody like you who kind of gives them the lay of the land. And at least they know what's going to happen for the first day. They have a desk, they have a phone, they have things that work. We both know that sometimes that doesn't even happen. Mm -hmm. So um, things that we've adopted and suggested, besides the fact, hey, you, you may want to read this book. All right. There's some really fascinating ideas. But think about the, the impact of somebody receiving a, an offer letter. They uh, accept the offer and immediately an employee from the dealership, and it could be somebody in the same department or it could be another department, they're assigned to be that person's mentor. And so hypothetically, I'm your mentor and I call you and say, hey, Josh, uh, this is Bill. I'm, I'm, I'm working here at ABC Motors and congratulations. I hear that you accepted a position. Uh, so I'm going to be your, your mentor, your guide for the next 90 days. So uh, please take this information down and I'll, put, I'll, I'll send you an email. And basically what it goes down to, uh, and we, by the way, we are using it and it works extremely effectively. Uh, because the first of all, they don't expect anybody to reach out to them and say things like that. The first thing is, okay, here's my name, here's my contact information, here's my cell number, etc. If you need anything between now and your start date, just reach out to me. Now, uh, when you show up for your first day, I will meet you at the front door. Um, I'll show you where your office is. I'll show you I'll make sure all your logins are set up, et cetera. And, and by the way, um, what's your morning uh, um, a choice beverage in the morning? What, what do you prefer? And, uh, you know, how about a snack or something? So you literally break bread with the, this person on day one. Make that, that person comfortable and relaxed. Uh, 
kind of get to know that person. And part of the onboarding process is really kind of get getting to know a little bit more about them, uh-huh. if you um, likes, dislikes, etc. Uh, we've even suggested offer them a little bit, uh, uh, some type of a welcome basket, trinket, gift, or something like that. Um, and it almost goes back to you know, years ago, and I believe they still have this in different parts of the country. There was there was an organization that was called the Welcome Wagon, and if you moved into it, the uh, you moved into a neighborhood. Uh, after a short period of time that you were there, there would be this little hanger on your your front door, and it was. The welcome wagon and it was all little information about uh you know the area the neighborhood etc places to go and it was it, it was actually very welcoming and so think about the impact on a an employee um, whose life was disrupted either they they decided to leave or somebody else suggested that they leave their former uh, former uh, employment they're unsure that they took the right position we're unsure if we hired the right person, even though we've done everything uh, as we think is correct, and they show up. So we go a step above. We assign somebody to them. We break bread with them. Uh, we make sure, and the, the, you know, the other typical things, we introduce them around, et cetera, and everybody has a, you know, they participate in the huddle. And uh, we're, you know, basically a, a, a daily meeting among peers in the organization. Um, we set up the expectations for uh, every day for the first week. We might have lunch with them a couple of days during that week. And at the end of the week, we just make sure that whatever the expectations were that both of us set have been met. And we set up what we're going to do the following week. And when I say expectations, I'm not even talking about performance metrics. And I'm not suggesting that it's too early for performance metrics, but I'm the, I would suggest I'm the cultural mentor. I just want to make sure that you're seeing what we're really all about. Because the other part is, Josh, and I think you, you know you know that we do this. Uh, one of the first things that I suggest that we do is during the initial interview with somebody, one of the first things we do is we put we put the company uh, company uh, purpose and uh, values right in front of somebody. And we go through them and we ask them what they think they mean and how they would act and so on and so forth. And one of the questions we always ask, um, and I know it's a superlative, but it's we always ask the question is like, do you see any reason why you cannot behave in accordance to those, you know, those values? And of course, you know that the answer is, of course I can. It's, I agree with them. Those are my values. It's kind of interesting what people will say, right? Uh-huh. Lo and behold, 60 days later, they violated something and they run out the back door. Um, but but um, I can tell you, uh, as we're here chatting, that uh, that is a differentiator. Because yeah. a lot of organizations and um, uh, people on a recruiting team or a hiring team, whatever you want to say, they don't do that. And they already show we already show them who we are, what we represent, and now where the mentor comes in, the mentor has got to tie back his or her be- behaviors in accordance to what the values were that we discussed before somebody was even offered a position. So now we show that there's credibility. And I, I can tell you that uh, people have been absolutely astonished 
by the fact that that's something we recommend, not only recommend that we do, but we actually do. it. I think like, the, the real value of that too is, so you've got that credibility and more than credibility, there's actually, there's the beginning, a foundation of trust is being laid right there. Mm -hmm. That we are actually who we say we are in the credibility piece, but um, not only that, but you can you can trust us to be exactly about what we say we're about. Like our actions are going to mirror our words. And I think a lot of times where employees get lost inside of organizations is they go to a meeting, and I, you know I wrote about this a little bit where I've been part of a couple of interviews where I watched the person doing the interview talk the whole time. And the person accepts the job and I, I was there as just kind of an observer. I wasn't the leader of the interview. And I'm just like, do we know anything about this individual? Mm -hmm. Like we talked the whole time selling them on ourselves and we don't know anything about them. We don't even know if they believe in what we believe in. So when they get here the first day, it's actually like we're doing an interview all over again. But but what you're suggesting um, that came out of that mo that book is that these moments help to solidify trust and authenticity and key things. And I think, you know, you mentioned something that we're seeing is the post COVID employment environment is more humane. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what I think is really interesting about that is the employees have always had the same rights they have now. I think it's just their awareness of them because there was, it was kind of a Kairos moment in which we needed to figure out like, okay, well, um, we've got to stand up remote work and all these other things that go with that. So I think that's, um, it's great that you're advising your clients to do that. That's our, the process that you're suggesting is similar to what we had done. Actually, it's yours is even a little more enhanced. Right. No question. Now, the, uh, the good news is that if you start out doing something like that, and then you drop it, then we wind up looking a little bit better than the market but not significantly different. Right. So to follow on with that, and because you talk about the value of retention and, and things of that nature, uh, sometime in the first couple of weeks, we actually talk about uh, what their aspirations are. So what do they want to accomplish in 60, 90, 120 days, six months, a year from now, et cetera, and really help them create a development plan and uh, I've had people challenge me and say, well, you know, we don't even know if this person is going to stay. And you know that our my, my canned response, it's, it's okay to smile, right? You, you know that our canned response typically is, well, my gosh, if you don't want to spend, you know, you don't want to spend the time um, working with somebody who you've just hired because you're not sure if they're going to stay. Well, what if you stay and you don't help them develop? You know, like, what happens? So, Worst case scenario is you help develop their potential while they're there. You help them get what they need or want, et cetera. You coach them, you mentor them. And if they decide not to stay, at least during the period of time that they were there, they were likelihood they were better producers than not being a better producer, right? I mean, do you want somebody to work for, work for you for 30 or 60 days? And really, they checked out in day four, but they're just hanging around till the next deal comes up. I mean, it's, I think it's foolhardy hardy to even think that way. Yeah, it is. And yet, and yet it's common. And I think part of that is that you're seeing, we're seeing organizations that are hiring under duress. Mm -hmm. Like that is, and a lot of times what happens in that moment, like, you know, you go in and put in the hard work and a client puts in the hard work and 
there's a good process in place, but well, we just need somebody. We just need somebody. And so that, that process is completely abandoned. And to your point, 30, 60 days down the road, we're all like, wow, this is like the second or third person we've had in this position. And I don't know what happened here, but hiring under duress never works. Never works. It doesn't work for, for uh, both the employer and the employee. It's, uh, you, you know, and I'm sure you recommend it uh, the, the same way we do. And that is, uh, I believe that somebody who's looking for a job has to do the interviewing, has to interview their potential employer as much as the potential employer will interview the candidates. Because, you know, both could be good, but maybe not good together. We might as well find out early on before we engage, then, then, then not, because it's totally disruptive, as you know, to hire the wrong person or to take the wrong job. For sure. sure. So Bill, one, one thing you mentioned was about, you're talking about per, um, professional development and having a, a, a unique development plan for every member of the team. Um, the last question I want to ask you is with regards to, we're seeing a lot of retirements that are happening. People mm -hmm. are leaving and, and they're either going to get second careers that are um, you know, outside of the industry or less demanding or something, or they're just leaving the workforce entirely. Talk a little bit about how, the value and the importance of helping organizations to have good PD in place and a good succession planning. So when somebody does walk into your office and say, hey, you know what, I think it's time I'm going to retire, or maybe it's not even a retirement. It's that people are not staying with jobs for three decades like they uh, once were. Just talk about how important it is to have a bench. Right. Um, I, I, another great question, uh, of course. And so it's, it's our belief that without having that virtual bench, the only thing you could wind up doing when somebody gives notice, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people, when they give notice, they walk out right then and there. Or in some situations, they intend to give a little bit of a notice and based upon situations, the employer decides maybe it should happen right then. So it's always disruptive, for sure. So the, the uh, first of all, the value and benefit of, of trying to figure out and to what I would say, uh, make sure that the ship is always going in the right direction is that you always start to create this virtual bench and Quite frankly, the way you do it, whether it's baby boomers eventually leaving or uh, a, a whole group of people that maybe want to decide working from remotely, because th that you know, a lot of people are still doing that, um, is to take a look at every individual in the organization. And uh, again, I mentioned that uh, before that you want to take a look at uh, developing literally some type of development uh, plan for each employee and um, look at where the gaps are. Typically the gaps are uh, we have middle managers who maybe were good at a primary position, get into a secondary position because they were good at the primary position. And they're the ones that we want to move up into the organization. And, and, you know, when, when a door opens up, we look and who's next in line and we say, just get in there, fly the plane. And as long as you're, you don't crash it, you'll be okay. And and uh, uh, of course, I just I, I just came off the road after I can't tell you how many flights, but uh, probably shouldn't have used that uh, that example. But by the grace of God, everything is okay. 
And, um, but it takes me back, and I think, I, I believe you know this methodology, uh, it takes me back to uh, a, the power of what happens when you do have your virtual bench. In the event that, whether it's baby boomers or, uh, you know, there's a whole group of people that they, they reach that certain uh, uh, age in an organization and not chronological age, but they've been around for 20, 25 years or so, and it's maybe time to move. Um, where uh, many years ago when uh, Jack Welsh was running General Electric way, way back in its heyday, uh, he hired a fellow by the name of Brad Smart. And Brad Smart put together a program for, for General Electric, which was basically to develop their middle managers. Uh, didn't need them, uh, but, but recognized, Jack recognized that the C-level, okay, uh, ABC, okay, uh, level was uh, potentially vulnerable if one or two people decided to leave. And so Brad created a process for General Electric which uh, helped Jack make decisions if, in fact, he did lose a C-level executive and didn't have to go on the outside to bring people in because there was always somebody on that virtual bench to move forward. So uh, the, the book is uh, Top Grading by Brad Smart. Uh, it, it's extremely robust, has a lot of great information in there as to how to create that virtual bench. Uh, but you know, taking it off, you know, taking it away from uh, specifically Jack Welsh and uh, you know, many years ago, maybe there are some people that cannot connect with that. Whether you're as large as General Electric was, or you're as small as a an entrepreneur with three or four employees, it's still that relevant. Uh, and so, I just believe that if you position your organization as the go-to organization that pays fairly, puts employees first. When you put employees first, they will put customers first. Okay. Um, and uh, be fair, provide training and development opportunities. Uh, there are organizations, as you know, that are small, they're flat organizations. And if you look at career growth, it's like, there's no movement, but you don't have to have, people don't have to have career growth, uh, maybe in, in, in moving from one position to another, they can get extremely good at the position they're currently in. Yeah. Um, and, right. And then the other thing is an employer whose, whose sole purpose is to develop the personal profession personal and professional potential of their employees cannot guarantee that they'll be employed there for life, but they can guarantee the employee that they would be employable for life if they just do things like that. Yeah, that's it. Right. It, yeah. it is. And I think that's a, like, that, that's a great word to, to end on. Um, it really is. So Bill, thanks for the time. I appreciate you um, joining us on the podcast. Uh, you, Folks can get in touch with you on your website um, yes. by searching for proactive leadership. For more information on my coaching practice, you can visit josh-veneta.com. Thanks again for listening into another episode of High Impact, the podcast for leaders. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Josh.